Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. The truth is the most convincing story that maps onto reality. That's why the central narrative is falling apart. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. We must see the central narrative for the fiction that it is. We are Americans. While elections are sometimes messy, this was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. I tell you what, we are in a truth emergency right now. This is the end game. It's Tuesday, December 6th, 2022, the 685th day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. A warm welcome and hello to all of you listening to the podcast on the day of its release. The only way to do that is by becoming a paid subscriber at imyourmoderator.substack.com. You can do so for as little as $50 a year or $5 a month, and in doing so, you'll be supporting me, the work I do, and this show as it expands, and if you can't, or you simply don't want to, continue listening to the podcast on a wide range of podcast platforms, and of course, Rumble. All I ask is that you share it with your friends. You can find all the links to the podcast, the writing, the social media, and of course, the merch site by visiting linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. So in sticking with recent themes, I want to further discuss the manipulation of information and the manipulation of the collective mindset of the American public through the manipulation of that information. I was watching 
A little bit of NFL on Sunday. I'm a lifelong Steelers fan, and I used to be a massive sports fan. I used to watch sports every day. Now I barely watch it for obvious reasons, which you're all familiar with, of course. And I know some of you are like, yeah, you're not supposed to watch any at all. I get it. Okay. Guilty pleasure. I have absolutely no way to justify it whatsoever, except as a guilty pleasure and a way to distract myself and wind down on a Sunday afternoon after doing 10 shows the week before. And yes, I feel appropriately guilty about it. I'm sorry. So between commercials for Pfizer and commercials for masks and commercials for a bunch of stuff you don't need, including a wide variety of drugs that claim to be able to heal you from maladies that those same companies and that same lifestyle have also caused. Between all of that, there is still a game. And during the game, early in the second quarter, the color commentator for the game, James Lofton, who is a uh, former wide receiver for the Buffalo Bills, now a television announcer, out of absolutely nowhere, he began talking about an initiative the NFL has to increase voter registration and voter participation just absolutely out of nowhere, starts talking about how important voting is and how the NFL is committed to increasing voter turnout in the face of voter suppression. Now, the Steelers were playing the Atlanta Falcons. And today in Georgia, there is a runoff election between Herschel Walker and Raphael Warnock for the Senate seat in Georgia. Raphael Warnock took this Senate seat in a similar runoff on January 5th, 2021 in, of course, a stolen election. And now he's trying to steal that Senate seat for the second time. I talked last week about what I thought the results of this race might be. If Herschel Walker wins, what narratives we might hear. We're going to hear stories about how the Republicans went and got all the ballots they could as early as they could. They embraced the system and in return, the system embraced them back. And Donald Trump stayed away from this race. That's what we're going to hear. And that's why Herschel Walker was successful. Now, could Herschel Walker still lose? Sure. But it seems to me like they're going to put this one in the little R column in hopes that Republicans will reaffirm their faith in the system and say, oh, well, we won that one, so the system can't be rigged. But think about what they were doing in that football game on Sunday. That was actual paid propaganda delivered to the public by a former star wide receiver in the NFL, just in a natural part of his speech, just going along, talking about the game. Oh, hey, Najee Harris gained four yards. But did you see that there is a problem with voter suppression in Georgia, even though they just had record high turnout a month ago in their elections after we were told there were all sorts of efforts to suppress the vote in Georgia for years? But, you know, the NFL just has to do its part. It has to be patriotic and show America that the organization that controls football really, really cares about our elections. Because what's most important of all is that the people have faith in our election system. 
It's very, very important that everyone knows elections are happening. Everybody has to go vote. Everybody has to register to vote. Anything that takes away from any of that is surely a threat to everything. You know, it's not a threat to everything. Election fraud, apparently, because the NFL certainly doesn't talk about that. They only help it. We have essentially reached the point where propaganda is so deeply embedded in every part of American life and American culture that we don't even notice it's propaganda anymore. Everything essentially now is propaganda. All of the cultural content that we consume is infected by this same politics. But that's the more passive type of propaganda. We're just going to say something and we're going to hope it sinks into the body politic. And once everyone understands that voter suppression is the most important issue ever and that voter suppression is always, always targeted toward the black community, then we know that voter suppression is racist and anything that is the opposite of voter suppression is therefore anti-racist and good, something we should support. And so then you can just put hundreds of thousands of new voter registries into the mix. And when all those people come out and vote, you can say, this runoff election was just so important. That's why everyone came out and voted. And it turns out that these elections are basically covered the same as sports now. We've been hearing for the past few days or a week or so How many votes are coming in for Democrats and Republicans as if there is a known quantity of all of these things? We already know the results up to this point as if the election is playing out over time and everybody can see it. Oh, the Steelers are up 13 to 3 over the Falcons. That means the Falcons are going to need 14 points to win. That's essentially what we're being told about our elections now. Well, Herschel Walker was down 250,000 votes the other day, but then the next day after that, he had a really good day, and then he was only down 200,000. And now we think he might be down by about 125,000, so we're just going to have to see what voter turnout looks like on election day. You get that high voter turnout on election day? Well, Herschel Walker might just sneak in there and win that election. And if he does, it'll be because Brian Kemp, the governor of Georgia, the Republican, has such an incredible turnout operation. So we can give all the credit to the Republican National Committee and establishment Republicans. Obviously, we can talk about how bad Donald Trump is and how good a thing it is that he stayed away from this election. And we can talk about how everyone knew it was so important to register to vote and then come out for this runoff election. No matter what, the election system works just fine. So go ahead and prepare for that. Now, we've been talking a bunch about Twitter and Twitter's interference in American elections and elections worldwide. This, again, is nothing new. But it is currently present in the central narrative because of what Elon Musk has been doing on Twitter. The other day, he said that Twitter has interfered in elections and even pointed directly to Brazil as a place where Twitter did interfere on behalf of the communists. So not only is Twitter interfering on behalf of the regime in American elections, they're 
interfering on behalf of the regime in foreign elections. Now, why would the regime be interfering in elections around the world using the information weapon, using the manipulation of information as one tactic, only one of the tactics to interfere in foreign elections? It's like they have the same goal for all of these different countries all over the world. Crazy, isn't it? For people who have a one world global order agenda to be trying to influence elections all over the world. I know it's nuts, which is why it's not true. It's just too hard to believe it's a conspiracy theory. But of course, it isn't just Twitter. There was an article out yesterday in the Western Journal about the influence of Google in our elections, and it actually links to an earlier piece, and I want to share some of that earlier piece with you. So this is the Western Journal by Michael Austin. Expert reveals his team has been tracking Google election interference, and they found a very worrying pattern. This is from November 8th. Is Google attempting to change the outcome of the 2022 midterm elections with its biased algorithms? Robert Epstein believes the answer is yes and claims to have proof. Epstein, a PhD from Harvard University, has quite an accomplished resume. He formerly served as an editor-in-chief of Psychology Today, has published 15 books, and currently serves as senior research psychologist at the American Institute for Behavioral Research and Technology. Leading up to the midterm elections, Epstein and a team of thousands have been monitoring political content being pushed by tech companies like Google and Twitter. And in a Sunday article for The Daily Caller, Epstein revealed those findings. Epstein's team has recorded 1.9 million, quote unquote, ephemeral experiences pushed into users' feeds by Google in order to convince users to vote a certain way presumably Democrat, given the company's history of bias. And it's worth noting there that that is the easy answer, right? That is the answer within the traditional Democrat-Republican paradigm. But that paradigm isn't relevant. It doesn't represent the real world. And we have to move beyond that paradigm at all times. It's important to notice here that the influence is not only for Democrats. The influence is for the regime. The regime doesn't care so much about whether there's a little D or an R next to the person's name. They want the people they've made deals with. They want the people they know they can control. Epstein expects to have recorded 2.5 million of these messages by election day. Ephemeral content is described by Epstein as short-lived content that impacts people and then disappears, leaving no trace. So, Very much like the example I just gave you in the NFL game the other day. James Lofton, the former wide receiver, just in the middle of the game, motivated by absolutely nothing, he just starts talking about voter suppression and how the NFL really wants to help. And most people, if they're listening or hearing that at all, they're just like, well, that's that's weird. Where did that come from? And then they shrug and move on because they're focused on watching the game and they just accept the notion that he presented that voter suppression is a real problem and that once again, the mega corporation, the NFL, is on the right side of the issue. So via its search engine, the Google-owned video platform YouTube and other means, 
Google is pushing messages meant to sway voters in a biased manner that later disappears without a trace. Or rather, it would have disappeared without a trace if Epstein had not mobilized a team of field agents, registered voters, to record these messages on over 2,500 computers. There are many different types of ephemeral experiences meant to sway opinion, about a dozen that Epstein has identified over the course of nearly a decade. This includes bias in search results, search suggestions, voting reminders, and interactions with digital personal assistants. For example, if you look up the candidate of one party, only favorable articles, videos, and other results are pushed to the top. Additionally, what Epstein describes as carefully crafted search suggestions flash on Google's search bar when a user begins to enter a term. According to Epstein, these messages can, quote, shift voting preferences of undecided voters by up to 80% in some demographic groups after a single search. Reminders to vote were sent more often to liberal voters than to conservatives, and question and answer interactions with digital personal assistants managed to, quote, shift the voting preferences of undecided voters by 40% or more, Epstein's team found. So basically, you're like, hey, Alexa, what time is my afternoon appointment? And Alexa's like, it's at 4 p.m. and please support the Green New Deal. The psychologist's team collected and recorded 1.5 million ephemeral experiences of this nature in the lead up to the 2020 election. They believe these manipulations may have shifted as many as 6 million votes in favor of Joe Biden. In 2022, his team found similar results. In swing states, and especially in Wisconsin, Arizona, and Florida, we are finding a high level of liberal bias in Google search results, but not in search results on Bing, the same pattern we have found in every election since 2016, Epstein wrote. Now, it's honestly pretty sad that people still use Google as their search engine. If you are one of those people, I strongly, strongly encourage you to stop using Google as your search engine. Quant is what I use when I'm not searching for anything serious, like when I just need a link or a phone number to a restaurant or something like that. And then if I'm doing research, I use either Jibiru, which is virtualmirage.org, which is okay, or I use Freespoke, freespoke.com. All of those will supply you with better search results than Google will. Google exists to make sure that you don't know anything except what they want you to know. In several swing states, 92% of the autoplay videos being fed to YouTube users are coming from liberal news sources. YouTube is owned by Google. Unless Google backs down, it will shift hundreds of thousands of votes on Election Day itself with those brazen, targeted go-vote reminders, and we will catch them doing so. It shouldn't come as a shock that Google would find itself ensconced in such controversy. Leaked emails leading up to prior elections have shown the company's willingness to use biased algorithms to push the subjective values of Google employees and administrators. And once again, it's worth noting, as I did yesterday in regard to Twitter, fine, it's 100% true that the bias does exist within the people employed by these corporations, and those people do have at least some leeway to use that bias and influence to affect things like this. 
But the idea that they're simply acting of their own volition in making these decisions is pretty clearly wrong. And it elides the fact that this is a product of a system created by people at higher levels than these biased employees. Leaked emails obtained by the Wall Street Journal in 2018 revealed that Google employees were discussing different methods they could use to leverage search functions in order to combat then-President Trump's travel ban. At the time, Google claimed none of the ideas were implemented. Oh, none of the ideas were implemented. So I guess this isn't a problem. And they probably never implemented those ideas for any other subject, except, of course, they did. And it's funny, you know, we continue to discuss the public-private paradigm in relation to these social media companies. We say, oh, those are private companies. They can do whatever they want. That's the conversation we've had over the years. And then we hear about how Section 230 protects them. And there's simply nothing we can do until we change Section 230. These companies are allowed to influence our elections and they're allowed to mislead the American people in any way they choose. We also always think about this as them benefiting liberals or benefiting conservatives, benefiting Democrats or benefiting Republicans. We are told that there is no harm here, but there is obvious harm here. They are intentionally deceiving the American public. Now, we can have a conversation about whether or not that's moral. It seems pretty clearly immoral. We can have a conversation about whether or not it's legal. And I would think that the fertile ground there is the discussion about whether or not it's okay for these tech companies to turn the people of the country against the sitting duly elected president and his agenda. But we should stop pretending that it's just this okay thing that happens. Maybe we just need to inculcate in the public mind The simple and true notion that these search results are manipulated and cannot be trusted. You cannot trust that Google is giving you a well-rounded view of any issue. And it would be great for the public to learn that and to respond accordingly and to move out of this old paradigm. But Google is massive and the manipulations are really subtle. People don't pay attention to that stuff by and large until they're awake and until they're tuned in. So the effect they're able to create is a powerful one. Epstein does believe there is some hope on the horizon, however. According to him, just prior to the 2020 election, his company went public with their findings, prompting three U.S. senators, Ron Johnson, Mike Lee, and Ted Cruz, to send Google CEO Sundar Pichai a letter threatening investigation. After the letter was sent, Epstein's team found that Google manipulations in the Georgia Senate race dropped to zero. This is because, according to one Google whistleblower, the company can turn biased algorithms off and back on again, like flipping a light switch. Epstein hopes going forward, his team can serve as an accountability shield, preventing Google and other tech companies from engaging in partisan antics. This time, we will continue to expand the monitoring system, and we will be monitoring content not just to voters, but also to America's children. By late 2023, we will have a digital shield in place, a panel of more than 20,000 field agents in all 50 states, and we will shame big tech into staying clear of our elections and our kids for many years to come, he wrote. And I hope that he's right. I appreciate his optimism. 
But let's focus on the claim that the companies can turn these biased algorithms on and off like flipping a switch. This is something that at least conceptually we know to be true and that we have known to be true for a pretty long time, over five years, maybe. I mean, I remember hearing podcasts in 2016, 2017, that range about how Facebook and Instagram were able to use their algorithm to influence people's mood throughout the day. The narrative was always that these companies profit by keeping people on the app all day long. They are in an attention economy and they have figured out what things are more likely to keep people's attention and keep them engaged on the platform throughout the day. And while there are different approaches for different types of people, they know that content that makes people angry or scared or offended is going to keep people more engaged. They know how it affects children. They can change your mood throughout the day if they want to. Imagine what that's like for teenagers who are dealing with social interactions in some realms that they simply didn't deal with as small children. And now they've got the device in their hand. Now they've got social media. Now they are being influenced by those algorithms all day, too. I mean, the world is complicated to figure out when you're in your mid 40s. Remember how it was when you were a teenager? Imagine having these massive corporations the ability to influence your mood throughout the day when you can't even keep a stable mood in the first place. This stuff is nuts. And we know they have the ability to do that. We've known that for a long time. We know that they have all the data for pretty much everything about you. Some of these algorithms probably in important ways know you better than you know yourself. I remember a conversation I had a few years ago in Los Angeles with a guy that managed data-driven marketing campaigns for movies. And he was talking about how they had created a model that could predict with a 95 plus percent level of certainty who would be getting divorced within the next year based on how their patterns of movement throughout the day had changed. They know all sorts of things about us simply through minor changes in our behavior patterns that are suggestive of larger changes within someone's life and personal life, business life, whatever. So they know all of that stuff. They have the ability in the machine to be able to control this stuff and they know what political messaging works to influence people. They can turn it on and turn it off whenever they want. Seems pretty valuable. But unless you're particularly tuned in to this sort of thing, you don't even notice it happening. This is just one of the many ways they keep you fully invested in the false reality. And so here is the update from the Western Journal yesterday. This is written by a different author. This is Ole Bratelein. And the headline is, Carrie Lake could have been Arizona's next governor, but here's what Google did to stop it. In this article, it says, in states where Republicans lost tight races, such as Arizona, Epstein's team found substantial bias in content that Google and other tech companies were sending people. Epstein believes the outcomes in these close races may have been impacted by Google's manipulations. If not for the biased algorithms, it is possible Carrie Lake would have won Arizona's gubernatorial race outright. And she did, and we'll get there. 
Based on the data we've collected, we think that Google alone probably shifted about 80 million votes in the midterm elections. Now, it sounds like a lot, but remember, this is not a national election. These are midterm elections. So the 80 million votes is spread across hundreds of elections, Epstein told the Western Journal. But what that means, though, is that in tight races over and over again, Google was determining the winner, was determining the outcome. Because all you have to do is shift 1% or a fraction of a percent in a tight race. That flips the outcome. And I'm jumping around a bit here. I did not think it would be possible for Google to turn bias on and off like flipping a light switch. It turns out I was wrong, Epstein said. They can literally turn bias off. And it looks like right now they have done that in Georgia in these final days before the Senate runoff election. Epstein believes Google has gotten the message and knows his team is watching as once again, Georgia enters into a runoff. Right this very minute, we are monitoring in Georgia where there's a Senate runoff scheduled for December 6th. And we have a lot of field agents in Georgia. And as far as we can tell, Google has backed off in Georgia. They're sending go vote reminders to everybody equally. And it looks like there's almost no bias now in their search results. And that tracks pretty well with the position I presented last week that the regime would give this win to Herschel Walker in order to protect the public's trust in the fraudulent election system. It would make sense then that the regime has turned off the pro-Warnock biases within these algorithms. Epstein also believes Monitoring is the solution to this problem of tech manipulation, and there's very little that laws and regulations could do to stop Google's undercover strategies. We'll see about that. I think that this is the solution. I don't think any laws are going to be passed. Any regulations are going to be put in place, and certainly none will be passed that make any difference, Epstein told the Western Journal. I'm in touch with some of the people who are trying to create legislation and trying to create regulations. And nothing that's in the works is moving forward very fast, he said. And frankly, every single thing I've seen would make no difference at all. Monitoring will make a difference. Monitoring is sunlight. You turn on the lights, the cockroaches run away. In states like Arizona, there has been much controversy and upset over suspected election fraud, particularly involving voting machines. But Epstein warns that it's a distraction. Google and other tech companies want people looking anywhere but at them. Now, there are a wide range of issues that make up election fraud and election manipulation, and all of them are important. It's not that one is a distraction from another. It's just that if you assume the system is just fine, then you start focusing on these outside manipulations rather than the problems that exist within the system. Now, this is certainly an important issue, which is why I'm talking about it, it's even more important, apart from the outcome of elections, it's important to see what the companies are actually doing and actually attempting to do and on whose behalf they're doing these things. But there's no way in the world that this sort of manipulation is the most important subject while obvious machine-based election fraud is a distraction. That's not correct at all. And it says to me that uh, Epstein doesn't know anything about actual election fraud, but is probably doing a valuable and important bit of work on this aspect. 
And it's fine on some level that people have their own verticals, their own silos. Any story that the tech companies want to spread, they spread. Any stories they want to suppress, they suppress. If you see a story spreading like wildfire, that means they are either allowing it to go viral or they're causing it to go viral. And it means they want you to see that, Epstein told Western Journal. This is critical to understand. This is how they create the false reality. They present only information they want you to see. They withhold all the information they don't want you to see. And they're able to adjust their tactics in real time so that the public will be convinced of certain viewpoints. Now, when you are addicted to the central narrative and you're just hooked into the machine, this is what makes it impossible to get out. Once you have woken up outside of this system and once you understand what the system is doing and that it's presenting you all of this false information to create that false reality for you, well, then you can look at it and see it for what it is and what it's doing rather than just be affected by it. So the effect eventually wears off. And for anyone who's had that effect wear off, immediately all of this manipulation becomes counterproductive for the regime. It actually signals to people, hey, you're being lied to. Hey, look how you're being lied to. Hey, look what you're being lied to about. And I think that's the stage we find ourselves in. People are slowly waking up to this stuff. They're slowly realizing how they're being influenced and they're beginning to reject that influence in favor of different sources of information, ultimately yielding different information, which ultimately yields different beliefs. And that's how we are shifting. And so I just want to close out this article with Robert Epstein here. And there is a major swing and a miss right here. So this voting machine stuff, if it's spreading and people are going nuts over it, it's because the tech companies want that to occur. Now, why would they want that to occur? Because they don't want you looking at them. They want you looking at these inconsequential trifles. And these are inconsequential trifles because they don't affect very many votes, number one. Number two, they're competitive, so who cares? And anything that's competitive is good for us. It's good for democracy. It's good for our system, he said. So. 100% clueless about how elections work, but very, very good on this particular subject. Sometimes one of these dirty tricks ends up affecting the outcome of an election, but usually not because dirty tricks are happening on both sides. The net effect of these kinds of manipulations is small. Again, both sides only make sense in this context when you are dead set on maintaining the Democrat-Republican paradigm. That paradigm does not make sense. So the idea that the dirty tricks are happening on both sides is obviously a flawed and confused idea. It is happening only on one side, the regime side. The D and the R don't matter. Epstein's goal is to monitor big tech companies like Google 24 hours a day in all 50 states, reporting suspicious conduct to authorities and journalists all the while. He says this will be reality by the end of 2023 and good on him. This is great stuff. I'm very happy he's doing this. I wish you would learn more about how our elections work, but all of this is excellent. You're talking about the most powerful industry that's ever existed in the history of humankind. And they're not just impacting our thinking and our behavior and our votes in the United States. They're now influencing more than 3.5 billion people around the world, he told the Western Journal. 
if you wanted to have an authoritarian, totalitarian, totally controlled, one world, globally governed society, this is probably the best way to get it. Influence the information of everyone. Push all the propaganda out. Censor anything that dissents from the central narrative, from the official story, straight down from the authoritative source. Just cut all that right out. Make sure everyone has the same set of information and only that information. And you can basically get people to do whatever you want them to do, especially once you tell them that if anyone is not doing the things that they're supposed to do, then you as a member of society should be willing and ready and active in shaming all of these people into compliance. I bet you could get tens of millions, hundreds of millions, billions of people around the world to poison themselves if you just controlled all the information, couldn't you? I bet you could. Now let's move to a different form of information manipulation. This is from today in the Washington Post. Meta could remove U.S. news if Congress helps outlets demand payment. Facebook parent company Meta threatened it might take all news content off its U.S. platforms in what would be a major blow for journalism outlets grappling with a difficult media market if Congress moves ahead with a proposal that gives publications greater leverage to negotiate compensation from tech platforms distributing their content. The proposal, which lawmakers originally floated as a standalone bill and are now reportedly considering as part of a must-pass annual defense bill, would allow news outlets to collectively bargain with tech giants that distribute their content, including Google and Meta, giving them greater leverage to negotiate favorable commercial terms. A Meta spokesman issued a blistering statement on Monday, criticizing any plan to accelerate the provisions from the Journalism and Competition Preservation Act through Congress. This is the JCPA. Such a move would force the technology giant, quote, to consider removing news content from our platform altogether, end quote. Meta said in a statement shared by spokesman Andy Stone in a tweet, going so far as to say the proposal would create a cartel-like entity. Okay, so the regime is battling with the regime. That's how it's presented to us. On one side, there are the news organizations like the Washington Post and the New York Times and all of the regime's outlets. And on the other side are Google and Facebook, where people, by and large, find all of the content that people consume from these outlets. Meta's threat is the latest in an emerging global battle between governments and tech giants over whether the latter should be forced to pay news outlets to display their original content in search results and social media feeds. Now, one would think that news outlets would be overjoyed that people are sharing their content on these social media platforms and that the fact that these social media platforms exist as a hub for their content is what keeps these organizations going. We no longer live in a world where most people have the newspaper delivered to their house each day. We no longer live in a world where people are subscribed to these news outlets at all. 
They'll read an article that is fed to them through a news aggregator like Apple News. They'll see something pop up on Twitter and click it. Facebook, same thing. But they're not just generally starting the day by opening up the New York Times homepage and then reading through all the content as if it was a newspaper in front of them. So it's strange to think that they would just want to disrupt this relationship, and it makes you wonder why. But let's continue. Meta has previously acted on similar threats in Australia, where last year it temporarily blocked all news content from appearing on its feeds in protest against similar plans enacted by its government. The Journalism Competition and Preservation Act fails to recognize the key fact. Publishers and broadcasters put their content on our platform themselves because it benefits their bottom line, not the other way around, Meta said, arguing that any attempt to force the tech giant into direct negotiations with news outlets ignored the value it already provided to them in the form of increased traffic and subscriptions. Creating a cartel-like entity which requires one private company to subsidize other private entities is a terrible precedent for all American businesses, Meta continued. Tech giants have long resisted the proposals. They argue that news outlets already benefit significantly from having their content shared on tech platforms, which they choose to do, and that the plan would place an unfair hand on the scales against them. Proponents of the bill, provisions of which lawmakers are considering including as part of the mammoth National Defense Authorization Act, Reuters reported, said it would buoy the shrinking profits of local news outlets. So when you see the Congress putting something in a must-pass bill like the National Defense Authorization Act, you know that what they're trying to do is make sure that this single piece of legislation absolutely becomes law. And it's because they couldn't pass it on their own. So they don't even try. Instead, the only goal is to make it part of the bill that they have to pass. And one might wonder if tricks like this, creating laws that would not pass if the people had any say about it, is a threat to our democracy. The news industry's profits have declined significantly in recent years, and Google and Facebook have come to dominate advertising markets, a key source of revenue for journalism outlets. And I guess that must be what happens when people won't pay for your content. The News Media Alliance, a trade body representing the newspaper industry and a supporter of the proposal, described Meta's threat as, quote, undemocratic and unbecoming in a statement Monday. In a tweet, the trade body said that allowing outlets to collectively bargain with tech giants would let them negotiate fair compensation for the original content they provide to them, leveling an unfair playing field that has forced many journalism outlets to close down in recent years. What is the unfair playing field? I mean, the fact that censorship exists in the first place does create an unfair playing field. But the fact that these massive news organizations are already so well-funded and already have so much control has created an unfair playing field that benefits them. And that unfair playing field puts them in opposition to the people. I mean, consider the prevalence of these news outlets. They are still very powerful, even though no one wants to pay for the content they provide. That's already a pretty good hint that there is some manipulation going on and that the playing field is not fair. 
Small and local publishers currently do not have the ability to negotiate these deals on their own, as the dominant tech platforms capture the majority of U.S. digital ad revenue, leaving local publishers with little to reinvest in the production of high-quality journalism, the trade body said in an earlier statement backing the bill. Well, there have been a lot of people who have been highly successful on Substack. People like Matt Taibbi, for instance, the person who's disseminating the Twitter files. He has thousands and thousands of subscribers on Substack that pay him money. And I would suspect that he probably makes a better living now than he ever did at those major outlets, like when he wrote for Rolling Stone. So why is it not possible for people providing valuable content to earn a living doing it? There's not some unwritten law that says everyone must be involved in an advertising revenue model. A model similar to the U.S. proposal introduced by Australia last year over the fierce objections of the tech industry empowered Canberra officials to compel tech platforms to pay news outlets in return for linking to their original content. Facebook, as Meta was then known, resisted Australia's news media bargaining code so vehemently that it even pulled news content from its social media feeds in the country completely, a news blackout that lasted several days and was strongly condemned by the Australian government. And isn't it amazing that something Australia tried is now being tried here? It's like the same people are trying to control the flow of information in two different countries. How could it be? (laughs) An Australian government report reviewing the law's first year in effect, published earlier this month, concluded that the code had been a success and suggested officials consider extending it to other online platforms too. More than 30 commercial agreements were struck between Australian news outlets and either Meta or Google, the report said a likely outcome of the code. At least some of these agreements have enabled news businesses to, in particular, employ additional journalists and make other valuable investments to assist their operations. The report concluded, sounds very important. What a resounding success. Canadian lawmakers are debating similar measures which, if approved, would make theirs the second government in the world to force Meta and Google to negotiate commercial deals with news outlets whose content they distribute. The proposal would generate $241.7 million each year for Canadian news businesses, the parliamentary budget estimated in a report published in October. And that's so great. So you've got Australia, you got maybe Canada, you got the U.S., All of these countries that we've seen for years doing whatever they are told to do at the behest of the people who put them in power, now aligning on just another global priority. You got to make sure everything is the same all around the world. If you want people to act like everything being the same all around the world is a good idea. The News Media Alliance said the willingness of Meta and Google to enter into deals with news outlets, as in Australia, demonstrated the commercial viability of the collective bargaining model outlined in the U.S. proposal. So what we essentially have here is the government deciding who pays who for what. But it's not communism. It's never communism. You can't call it that until it's a bunch of factory workers covered in soot meeting in the basement talking about how one day they will all own the company together. 
As the tech platforms compensate news publishers around the world, it demonstrates there is a demand and economic value for news, the trade body said. No, it doesn't. It demonstrates that you've put a law in place that says these people have to pay these other people. While the proposal has received bipartisan support in Congress, the attempt to move ahead with the provisions has divided industry bodies and groups. Okay, bipartisan support is something that at this point should be seen as a euphemism for this is what the regime wants. We've been told forever that bipartisanship is good because it means the Democrats who represent the people and the Republicans who represent the people have all come together to put the people's interests first and foremost. And despite their partisan differences, they're going to be willing to work together on this one issue because the people demand it. Except if the people were demanding it, you wouldn't have to put it in a National Defense Authorization Act, a must-pass bill. And so when the people don't want it, but we're being told that it's bipartisan, what are we being told? We are being told that this is something that the servants of the regime are going to do whether the people like it or not. doesn't matter whether they have a D next to their name or an R next to their name. They're going to get it done because they were told to get it done. More than two dozen organizations, including the American Civil Liberties Union, the Wikimedia Foundation, and the Computer and Communications Industry Association, signed a letter Monday objecting to accelerating the proposal. It would create an ill-advised antitrust exemption for publishers and broadcasters, the group said, arguing also that the proposed model would unfairly advantage larger media conglomerates over the local outlets its proponents say it would benefit. Now that is just so hard to believe. The regime officials in government are telling one of the regime's tech companies to pay the regime's propaganda outlets so that the propaganda outlets will keep producing more propaganda. Now consider how this has been presented by the Washington Post. The lawmakers are going to step in and force this bill that they couldn't pass through normal means to be passed in the National Defense Authorization Act. And the justification for the bill is that it's only fair. These media conglomerates need to be paid by the social media companies that give a platform to their content. Because the business model has changed and it's just harder now for these media companies to make enormous profits. We are supposed to understand that these media companies are just so important that their content must be paid for so that they can keep producing it. And since they can't get their customers, their readers to pay for the content, someone has to. So it's going to be the social media companies. So the regime tells part of the regime to give money to another part of the regime. And we're told that all of this must happen for fairness. The regime has to manipulate the market because the business model of the media conglomerates is no longer working. And it's not fair that they should have to bear the brunt of that. That's about all we get from the Washington Post. So let's see what Breitbart has to say on this issue. 
This is from yesterday. McConnell caves to Schumer allows JCPA media cartel bailout bill to be included in defense package. Over objections from House GOP leader Kevin McCarthy, the likely next speaker of the House come January 3rd of next year, other congressional leaders acquiesced to lobbyist pressure and agreed to include the JCPA in the base text of the NDAA. McCarthy was the only member of congressional leadership to fight back against the inclusion, but was overruled three to one after McConnell caved. What a bold leader, huh? The JCPA has absolutely nothing to do with national defense. So the move, a swan song of sorts for Pelosi, who just announced she is leaving congressional leadership, but retaining her House seat after Democrats lost the majority to the GOP in the midterm elections, is an egregious step for an outgoing leader of the past against precedent, as the NDAA has generally been reserved for just national security matters. Proponents of the JCPA have been struggling for over a year to move the controversial proposal through Congress, hitting roadblocks every step of the way in committee hearings and fierce opposition from Republicans like McCarthy and others, including Jim Jordan, Steve Scalise, Marsha Blackburn, Tom Cotton and more. That's why lobbyists supporting the bill on behalf of deep pocketed industry interests Zoned in on two must-pass legislative vehicles in this lame-duck session of Congress as last-ditch efforts to pass it before the GOP formally takes control of the House next year. The NDAA, or a spending bill like an omnibus spending bill, currently also being negotiated. But because the NDAA is proving to be more of a lift than previously thought, The prospects of an omnibus spending bill to fund the government are dimming in recent days. Leaders may instead pursue a continuing resolution to fund the government at the year's end, which makes the NDAA a more attractive prospect for these leaders to attach unrelated proposals like this JCPA to force them through in the waning hours of this Congress into federal law. The JCPA, essentially a transfer of wealth from Silicon Valley to the discredited and distrusted corporate legacy media, is highly controversial. Beyond the financial payouts to media companies, they will be able to form a joint negotiating entity, a cartel immune from antitrust law to negotiate with big tech companies on the terms and conditions for carrying their content. And so what they're saying is that These big media conglomerates, which are ostensibly competitors, are going to be able to come together to force other, quote unquote, private entities to meet their demands, and it will be backed with the force of law. Censorship is sure to be a frequent demand of media companies, despite provisions in the bill that purportedly stop media companies from negotiating the suppression of any one competitor. There is nothing to stop them asking their content to be prioritized over broadly drawn categories that are used as pretexts for censorship like disinformation. Breitbart News has closely covered how the bill continues to enable the censorship and sidelining of conservative media. And they link to an earlier article. Even with the hastily added Senate amendment aimed at addressing conservative concerns regarding collusion between the media industry and big tech on the censorship of competitors, the bill still contains plenty of ways for the cartel to sideline conservative media. 
provisions to ensure the cartel cannot discriminate on the basis of viewpoint are particularly unconvincing. The pretexts used by social media companies, fact checkers, and other arms of the corporate censorship apparatus are almost always viewpoint neutral. No one is censored for being a conservative, say the censors. They are censored for misinformation, hate speech, conspiracy theories, and other purportedly viewpoint neutral reasons. So once again, this is why the Republican Democrat paradigm must be done away with. They can say, well, this particular thing that we censored, it's not because it benefits Democrats or it hurts Republicans. It's that it's disinformation. It's a conspiracy theory. And our position is totally nonpartisan. Well, that's true if we're just talking about the Democrat-Republican paradigm. If we're talking about the actual state of the world, which is regime versus the people, then what they're censoring is actually entirely viewpoint dependent. They are censoring anything that conflicts with the narrative that the regime is trying to push. Attaching unrelated provisions to any type of must-pass bill is a highly criticized practice as it bypasses deliberation on the floor on the merits of the legislation and adds controversy to what is normally uncontroversial among lawmakers, in this case, defense spending. And so once again, we have regime politicians making sure to get the job done for the regime rather than debating the legislation on its merits in front of their constituents and representing their constituents' opinions and beliefs. This is a complete and total bastardization of how our government is supposed to work, how our constitutional republic is supposed to function. In using the NDAA to pass their bailout for media cronies, the Democrats have specifically undermined the bipartisanship of U.S. national defense, among other things. Absent enormous backlash against the move in the Senate, Democrats and their frequent enabler, McConnell, will have been allowed to use a defense spending package to establish a government-approved gravy train from one set of wealthy, powerful corporations in Silicon Valley to another, the world's largest and most powerful media companies. And now remember back to that Washington Post article, who we were told was meant to benefit from this, right? The worry is that small and local publishers would not be able to compete and that this new setup would make it much easier for them to compete because they would get to partake in the ad revenue generated by Facebook and Google and it would enable them to hire all sorts of new employees and produce just more and better content. And we are told that the way to help those small, independent, local publishers is to allow all of the media conglomerates to operate as a cartel and set the rules for everyone, including about censorship. And considering where we are now with the flow of information in this country, it's not the media conglomerates that are out there critiquing the agenda and critiquing the regime. That's small, independent publishers and content producers, citizen journalists, or as they're known to the cartel of media conglomerates, spreaders of disinformation and conspiracy theorists. So what we have is corrupt regime politicians, including many Republicans, 
happily enabling the media conglomerates in coordination with the tech companies to censor independent and citizen journalism. And they're trying to do it in the lame duck session because with a Republican House in the new year and a Republican speaker, something like this would never make it to the floor. So they're trying to push it through while they're still in power using the must-pass National Defense Authorization Act as the vehicle. And if you think there's something wrong with that, well, you're spreading disinformation. You're a conspiracy theorist. You see, there is only one acceptable set of beliefs. And if you're not going to adopt it yourself, if you don't find it convincing, well, then they're just going to force you to adopt it. Because otherwise, you might find out who these people really are, and then you might want to take all their power away. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic. And Joe Biden will never be president. In my mind, that's the end game. If you're listening to this episode for free, you can support me and support the show and the work I do by signing up for a paid subscription at imyourmoderator.substack.com. You can do so for as low as $50 a year or $5 a month. Comes out to under a quarter per episode and you'll blast right through the paywall for all of the writing. The merch store is www.cancelcouture.com and you can find everything else by heading to Linktree. Linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. And I'll see you soon out on the range. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 
luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!